Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the 14th chapter. I'll be reading verses 1 through 14. Let's give careful attention to the public reading of God's words. It's found in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for me anything in my name, and I will do it. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word to each of our hearts this morning. Let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us by your word, your word which is truth, and who has called us to engage in the study of that word. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts as we reflect on this portion of your word, that we might grow in our knowledge of you and ourselves and the world that you have made, that we might more enjoy the calling you have given to us, and that we might honor you more in the process of life. We pray in the name of The Lord Jesus, your Son and our Savior, who together with you and the Holy Spirit reigns as one God forever and ever. Amen. Be seated, please. Well, I'll only take a personal moment just to say two brief things. Uh, One, uh, thank you for your many, many kindnesses to me. Two, if the truth be told, I have been blessed by you more than I've been a blessing to you. Trust me. That's pretty brief. (laughs) Well, we are getting close to concluding our series of sermons on the I am sayings of Jesus in the gospel. 
Uh, Lord willing, I'll be back next Sunday and we'll have our final sermon in this series. We've looked at uh, Jesus saying, I am the bread, I am the gate, I am the light, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and the life. This morning we're considering Jesus' statement in John chapter 14 and verse 6 where he says, I am the way. Have any of you ever heard about the Bridge to Nowhere? Uh, the Bridge to Nowhere uh, is, a, is a, an arched bridge in California. It was started, it's in the San Gabriel Mountains. It was started in the uh, 1930s and it was intended to connect two uh, disconnected uh, pieces of real estate in the state of Kansas. For one reason or another, the project was abandoned. The bridge is there. But the bridge goes to nowhere. You might start on one end of that bridge uh, with the anticipation of that bridge taking you somewhere, but it doesn't matter which end you start on, which direction you take, it's not called the bridge to nowhere for nothing. It doesn't take you anywhere. I want to make two points this morning. One, I want to talk to you first of all about Jesus as the way, as the, the way, as the means of getting somewhere. Jesus is the way, he says, but he's not the way to nowhere. He's the way to somewhere. And that being stated, we also have to talk about the destination. When Jesus says, I am the way, that just begs the question, the way to where? And the answer is the Father as the destination. This text that I have read, if you just ask in general, who's this text about? The answer seems to be obvious. It's about Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And yet, there's as much, if not more, said about the Father in the text than about the Son as the way. Some 13 times, just, just listen. My Father's house has many rooms. No one comes to the Father except through me. You will know my Father. Show us the Father. You have seen the Father. Show us the Father. I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. It's the Father. Uh, I say I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. I am going to the Father, so that the Father might be glorified. It's amazing when you stop and think about this text, which is about Jesus as the way, isn't simply about Jesus as the means to get somewhere, even somewhere indefinite, let alone nowhere. This text is really about Jesus as the, as the means to get somewhere and the Father as the destination. So let's start by considering Jesus as the means. Jesus says, I am the way. We could translate it, I am the road, but that would sound strange because if we've grown up on the Bible, we've heard uh, year after year, read it time and again, I am the way. 
Uh, the word could mean road literally. It does mean road literally elsewhere in the New Testament. It's just an old garden variety word for a road. But it's used uh, metaphorically as well. Almost every time Jesus says, I am, and then a predicate follows, he's not speaking literally. I am the gate, I am the bread, I am the light. All of these are metaphors that Jesus uses to help us understand something of who he is. In Matthew 21, 32, uh, it says of John the Baptist, John came to you to show you the way of righteousness. We could put that another way. John came to teach you how to reach righteousness. A, a road is a, a, a way to reach somewhere. Uh, I have taken 95 South more than once over the past three years to reach Vero Beach. A road reaches somewhere. John came so that you could learn how to reach righteousness. How do you reach the goal? If you have a, a goal, but no way to reach it, it's not really a goal, it's a dream. To have a goal, you have to have a, a, a reachable path. How do you reach the goal, the ultimate goal for which you've been created? Why are you here? I've taught before in my own kind of simple understanding of the relationship between science and theology that God has given us science to answer questions like how and when. Who and why can't be answered by science. A science in all of its sophistication can't answer a simple question like why am I here as opposed to not being here. That's why God gave us the scriptures to tell us who brought us here and ultimately why we're here. How do you reach that ultimate goal for which you have been created? Jesus is the how. Jesus is how you reach the ultimate reason for being. Jesus says, I am the way. Now, when Jesus says, I am the way, he, he qualifies it for us in two ways. See, here we're asking the question, what's the relationship between way, truth, and life? I'm convinced that, that Jesus is not talking about three separate things here when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's really talking about one thing. The one thing he's talking about is, I am the way. Why do I say that? Just because of the context. A couple of verses before, in verse 4, Jesus said, you know the way to the place where I am going. And in verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? It's right after that that Jesus said, I am the way. It's very clear that the topic here is the way. The topic here is not the truth. The topic here is not life. Those are part of it, but that's not the main point that this text is about. It's about Jesus as the way. So how do truth and life qualify way? I would put it this way. 
When Jesus says, I am the way and the truth, he's saying, I'm the true way. There are false ways. When Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, Jesus is saying, I am the true way that leads to life. So one thing, I am the way. But he kind of unpacks that by saying, I am the true way. The true way that leads to the life that you were created to exist. You see, there are false ways. That's the reality. There are false ways that lead to death. One example from Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 7.13, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. This is why Jesus has to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true way that leads to life over against all those false ways that ultimately lead to death. Our culture has many ways. It offers many ways to life. Ancient Israelites were, were confronted with Alternative paths to the life that the human soul longs for. No different today. The, the, the dress, the outward appearance of it might be different. But in reality, our culture says there are many ways. I read an interesting short article. Somebody, somebody posted it on Facebook, and I read it last night. It was from the New York Times. And it was really quite an interesting short take on the political scene in America today. The it was an opinion piece, and the title of it was Oprah. Prophet, Priest, Ellipsis, and Queen. And it was really simply, it wasn't so much interested in whether or not Oprah is going to run for president. In fact, the article doubts that. What it was interested in is articulating how, let's see if I'm doing this from your perspective, how there is a, a conservative right. And it doesn't matter whether the conservative right is Protestant or Catholic or Jewish or Muslim, because the conservative right is all the same. They're all rooted in dogma. They're all rooted in truth. They're all rooted in conviction that there's a way that is right. On the, on the left, there's a secularism that says there is no dogma. 
The only thing that is is what we can put under a microscope and look at, what we can measure with our high-tech tools. And these, uh, the, these are two extremes that are kind of ever at each other. And what he's arguing is that Oprah really represents the middle. Perhaps the main middle. The big middle in our culture. It's the middle that can be articulated with a phrase that either Oprah coined or that she certainly popularized, and that is, my truth. You have your truth, I have my truth, and as long as we all acknowledge that you have your truth and I have my truth, we all just get along fine. And the, uh, the article was really wrestling with where we're going culturally uh, in the future. It's just a good illustration to say that our culture offers us many ways. Um, not well known to us, but uh, Baha'i religion really articulates this well, where uh, we're all going up a mountain, we might all be going up different paths, but we're all going up the same mountain and all the paths lead to the same place. Jesus says, I am the true way that leads to life. And that's why he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I would guess that in our religious climate today, there's probably no one verse that is less popular than that one. I'm just, I'm guessing that's the case. I am the way the true way that leads to life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is teaching us in that passage that he's the means to get where we have been created to get, to reach the goal for which we have been created. The ultimate goal in terms of the answer to the question, why are we here as opposed to not being here, Jesus says, I'm the answer. I'm the way for you to reach that goal. And when he says no one comes to the Father except through me, he's already telling us what our ultimate destination is. Our ultimate destination is the Father. You see, Jesus himself in this text is going to the Father. In the Gospel of John, 14 times, Jesus either says or John tells us that Jesus has come from the Father. I'll just give you one. It's a well-known one. John 1.14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. Christmas isn't too far behind us. We remember the celebration of the advent of God becoming man. It's all about Jesus coming to us, Jesus leaving the presence of the Father, Jesus leaving the glory of the Father, and coming to earth, coming to us. Jesus came from the Father, and he's going back to the Father. Uh, in John 14, uh, our text, verse 2, Jesus said, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I am going... Would I have told you that I am going there? Where's Jesus going? 
He's going to the Father's house. And uh, later in verse 12, Jesus says that they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus has come from the Father, and Jesus says, I, I have a destiny. I came, I was here for a reason. I know my ultimate purpose in coming here. And his ultimate purpose was not your salvation. His ultimate purpose was that he might one day return to the Father's presence and to the Father's glory. Oh, but he wouldn't return alone. That's where you come in. Because Jesus says not only is he going to the Father, but he says we are going to the Father as well. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Rhetorical question. Surely not. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am and where is he in the presence of the Father, in the glory of the Father. And so it's clear that Jesus is the way, he's how you reach that ultimate goal for which you have been created, how you reach the presence of the Father, how you reach the glory of the Father. Our ultimate destiny is the Father. Now I have no doubt if we were to take a survey this morning of Christians in the United States, and say, what's the essence of heaven? Probably an awful lot of them, the majority of them would say, I get to see Jesus. That's true. That's glorious. We will be like him, for we shall see him as he is. True, beautiful, glorious, not ultimate. Because when we see Jesus, he is going to say to each of us, let me show you the Father. Let me take you to the Father's presence. Let me take you to the Father's glory. Because after all, that's why you were created. That's why you have been redeemed. To return to the presence of the Father. To enter the glory of the Father. I am the way. I am not the destination. The destination is the Father's presence. The destination is the Father's glory. That's why we have that well-known passage in Philippians 2. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth, acknowledging that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Father is your ultimate destiny. That's why Jesus says in verse 13 of our text, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father might be glorified. Jesus is going to the Father because the Father is his ultimate destination. Jesus is taking us to the Father. He is the way. He's not the way to nowhere. 
He's the way to somewhere. He's the way to that place that your heart longs so deeply for. Every human heart longs for it, even though we might not be able to articulate what the longing is. Our souls are restless, said Augustine, until they find rest in the presence and in the glory of the Father. Let me conclude just by asking one question. Why does Jesus teach us this? In context, why does Jesus want us to know? Is it just for the future? Or is there something for the now? Why does Jesus want us to know that he is the true way that leads to life in the Father's presence? We don't have to wonder. We just have to read the beginning of the first verse. Do not let your hearts be troubled. There are so many things that can trouble our hearts. The prospects of the future. The reality of death that is coming. For us, for a loved one, somebody that we have spent so many years with. The prospect of ill health. The prospect of financial collapse. The prospect of broken relationships. The prospect of unanswered questions. There are so many things in the future that can trouble our hearts. But there are similar things in the present, yes? How many of you have had somebody close to you die? Maybe it was a month ago. Maybe it was years ago. But when you're all alone, your heart is still troubled. Or maybe it's financial problems that you have been facing. Or maybe it's a current illness. My sister, who is the eldest of three, is fighting for her life right now. Uh, she just finished her first of four months of chemotherapy. A month ago, she was diagnosed with acute leukemia. She's battling. I talked to her yesterday. Oh, she's grateful for so many things God has done. Uh, just one, small but not so small, one pill that she needs to take, uh, $3,000 a month. Now, probably, there's probably no one in the room that just wants to, in, in this room, that wants to spend $3,000 a month on medicine. Uh, and for some of us in this room, we would say, I don't know where it's going to come from. Trust me, that was a huge issue for my brother and sister-in-law. They don't have to pay anything for it. I, I don't know the details, but they made some application somewhere, and it's taken care of. So she's very thankful for so many things. But she said, Mark, pray for me. Pray for just physical and mental strength. I just sometimes don't know if I can take the next step and do it. There are so many things, but her heart is not troubled. And why is her heart not troubled? Because she knows that Jesus is the way, the true way 
that leads to true life in the Father's presence and the Father's glory. For sure, we have to be honest, there are things that in the short run can trouble our hearts so deeply. But if we take Jesus' perspective, in the long run there is nothing to trouble us. Let not your hearts be troubled for the long run, because I am the true way that leads to life in my Father's presence, His glorious presence. Jesus is the way in so many ways, but certainly at the heart of Jesus being the way, at the heart of that is Jesus' obedience. And theologically, we speak of Jesus' active obedience and Jesus' passive obedience. His active obedience is his keeping the law perfectly in our place so that his perfect righteousness can be put in our spiritual bank account and the Father can look at us as if we've never broken one law because Jesus never broke one law and he did it for us, his his active obedience. But also his passive obedience. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for each and every one of our sins. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Every sin has been atoned for. Uh, Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. You see, in Jesus' death, he was not a victim, he was obedient He was willfully obedient. No one can take my life from me. I give it up. I am in charge even in my death. His passive obedience where he dies to pay the penalty for our sins. It's Jesus' obedience that is at the heart of him being the true way that leads to life. And we've not only heard this this morning, but we get to see it, to feel it, to taste it, to smell it as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Because the Lord's Supper is God's physical way of communicating to us the truth of the fact that Jesus is the true way that leads to life in the Father's glorious presence. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We pray that you would seal these words on our hearts, that our hearts might not be troubled, but that as we believe in God, we believe also in you as the true way to lead us back to the Father to his glory forever and ever. Amen.